Welcome to TalkErie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. I am just overwhelmed and blessed to be able to invite my friend, Father Larry Richards, the pastor of St. Joseph Church, Bread of Life Community, and the founder of the Reason for Our Hope Foundation. Father Larry, welcome to the Joel Natale Show. So good to be on the Joel Natale Show. This is like heaven on earth this Good Friday. <laughs> oh my goodness. You are being uh, uh, great because here you are, a national uh, broadcast leader oh, yeah. and speaker. Um, again, just let's give a little bit of background. How about your origin story? Where did you grow up and uh, what led you to um, priesthood? Okay, I am a Pittsburgh, uh, f- uh, I grew up in the city of Pittsburgh because God is a Steeler fan, as everyone knows, I'm sure. So I'm from there, both my parents were cops in Pittsburgh. At 17 years old, I was sitting in English class and I we were, reading, we were doing the play Our Town. It was the first time I realized I was going to die and I didn't believe in anything. So I thought, I got to find out what's real. And so I started seeking God and I'd sit in this church, the Epiphany, every, down, every day in downtown Pittsburgh saying, God, are you real? Aren't you real? Aren't do you care? Don't you care? And then one day I'm watching TV and Billy Graham comes on. You all know Billy Graham. And Billy Graham says, I've seen people die. And I turn him off, of course, the typical 16, 17 year old. And I go, oh, well, let's go back. I was thinking about that. Click back. And he said it again. I've seen people die. And some people when they're dying, they're afraid. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And other people when they're dying, they're saying, Jesus, I'm coming home. And I thought, whoa. If you could face death with no fear, that would be one of the greatest gifts ever. And so that's when I really started seeking God and sit in that church every day. And every day as I'd say, God, are you real? Aren't you real? One day he revealed himself to me. And I remember kneeling there and I'll say, I said, Jesus, anything you want, I'll do. Tell me what to do, I'll do it. And he said, I want you to be a priest. I said, okay. So I went and at 17, uh, became a priest. And I always said, I wanted to be the Billy Graham in the Catholic Church. Billy Graham was for everybody else. So, and that's what we've been doing all these years now. I was at 17 and I'm 61 now. How did that happen? Oh, oh. wow. Yeah. Anyway. Well, and and again, what what an what an amazing calling, and and to make the gospel accessible is is really your passion, isn't it? Absolutely, it's to you know, again, on my gravestone's going to be uh, Galatians two nineteen when I die at one hundred and twenty because a good die young, and it says, "I have been crucified with Christ, so the life I live now is no longer my own. Jesus lives inside of me. I still live my human life, yes." a life of faith in the son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. So that's all I wanted to proclaim from the very beginning that he loved me and he gave his life for me. And the foundation exists to bring everyone into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, that leads me right to my first question then, you know, what does Holy week mean to you, father Larry? Holy week is the essence of everything we believe as Christians. It's the essence of the proof of God's love for us. It's the essence of the God of the universe giving us his life through his son that we might live forever. You know, again, talk about again and again that we are saved by the grace of Christ by what Jesus Christ did for us, not what we do for him. And often we're trying to tell the world what we do for Jesus. And let me tell you about what I've done for Jesus. And I go to church every week 
weak and I'm a good person and I take care of the poor, but it really should be the proclamation of what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. And so this week can go into just a ritual that people go through, or it can be an entering into this relationship with Jesus where we walk with him at the passion. We get to experience with him his great love for us, that he would love us so much that he would die for our sins and die that we could be with him forever. So it's just being with someone we love, like we'd be with anyone. If they were going through a, a suffering, we want to be with them. So this week, we want to be with him who died for us and then rises for us on Easter Sunday, which we're all looking forward to. We don't want to get stuck on the cross. We want to get through the cross to get to the resurrection. All right. So I, I'm, I'm give me a little bit of... Uh... Uh, historical background then 30,000 foot view of good friday you know mm -hmm. when the israelites thought about the upcoming messiah i don't think that they would picture someone who would have to die for their sins exactly they were looking for the messianic savior who was going to come and set up israel to be this great nation again and they would conquer all the other nations and make them great and even that's the whole thing that judas they say was looking for he was looking for someone to do that and he was trying to force jesus hand so that he'd start this great messianic way but jesus was the isaiah suffering servant one who came and gave up everything for us now isn't that what love is that love doesn't conquer people, love serves people. Love gives away their life for others. And since God is love, that's the best way he can be manifested in coming and be the incarnation of love is Jesus Christ. When especially, and think about it, the most powerful moment of Jesus' life and the most powerful moment of all of history was when Jesus was most vulnerable on the cross when he was nailed to the cross is when salvation came for you and me and so sometimes we think that it's in our strength and in our power and we're going to conquer everything for christ where that is not the way jesus dealt with things jesus came and gave away his life so when we focus on this holy week he's teaching us how to live he's teaching us that as i have done so must you do so yeah, there, so there's so much more than just that uh, uh, that concept of substitutional atonement coming sure. from from the cross. It's about uh, a way to live. It's about a way to approach life. Absolutely. And again, as we know, as it goes all the way back to it's the fulfillment of the Old Testament, Abraham, when, you know, Isaac's being uh, carrying the wood and the uh, fire up and he looks at his father, Abraham, and says, Father, here is the wood and here is the fire. But where is the lamb for sacrifice? And when Abraham says, God himself provide the lamb and then he's going to go kill his son, Isaac, and then God stops him. And spiritually, if you if you just end it in the Old Testament, that's a pretty awkward God, you know, is just asking someone to give up their son. But when you put in the New Testament, God's saying, ah, Abraham, don't you give up your son to prove your love for me. Abraham, I will give up my son oh my to prove my love for you. And that's why John the Baptist, the first thing he says when he sees Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God, that God himself did provide the Lamb. And this is God the Father proving his love, that he, what he asked Abraham to do, he himself did to prove his love for us. Whoa, it's one of the greatest things ever, 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 ever that could happen is what happened on Good Friday. 
All right, I've got like two minutes before my break. I've got to ask you why, when you look at all of the world's religions, you don't see the that the God would have to make any kind of sacrifices. It's all about the humans making sacrifices or you know doing things to make the gods happy. Explain all that. Why Christianity is so different? Well, of course, everything's different because when Jesus gave his life for us, he paid for our sins. And again, remember, if you go all the way back to Hosea and it says God gave his liar, you know, hold up his son close to his heart, that he subjected himself to us and through the whole reality of the Old Testament. But here, this God, you know, I had a kid years ago, he was in seminary and I'm walking through and he said, I was up all, what were you, what are you doing there, Billy Joe? And he says, I was up all night thinking and praying. I said, what were you thinking and praying about? He says, you know, all those other religions, you know how they have to serve God and they have to do all these things for God. I go, yes. He goes, you know, what's so great about ours? I go, what's that? He says, our God comes and serves us and gives his life for us. And I go, you are not far from the kingdom. That's exactly what it is that this God of love puts everything else in the perspective that God didn't create us just to have us serve him. God created us to love us and serve us also to teach us how to love. We love as he loves. So it's always this forever community of love, the self-emptying of ourselves to the self-emptying of God, to the self-emptying that always goes for all eternity. And every time we surrender ourselves to this power of the Holy Spirit, we participate in this God of love for all eternity. And it's most exemplified on Good Friday. This, this, is, this is remarkable when you think about it because um, – you know, we have this concept, uh, even even many of us in the church, that God is just uh, just like Zeus, and He's going to zap you, exactly. right? With 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 uh, you know, when when you're bad, you're going to get a lightning bolt. It's it's sure. not that. Uh, what it is, what it is, is when we sin, that 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 separation from God is truly the circumstance, and it's yep. a really bad one. It's a really bad one, and the only one that can feel that justice is God himself. You know, again, when God says, if you do this, you will die, we did it, and so we must die because God is not a liar. But he says, I don't want them to be separated from me. What am I going to do? I know I will become one of them, and I myself will fulfill their justice. And that's how we take this God of justice and this God of mercy, and we put them together. This is who our God is, and this is who God wants us to be to bring justice and mercy together. We're talking to Father Larry Richards uh, of St. Joe's Church at Bread of Life. He's the founder of the Reason for Our Hope Foundation. We're getting our theological undergirdings here, and then we're going to go into the Passion, and we'll just have uh, Father Larry kind of walk through uh, the Passion with us here as we uh, uh, recognize Good Friday today on the Joel Natale Show. Father Larry, you said uh, you've got a podcast out there. How do we find it? It's called Anchored in Hope, and it's through Podbean and YouTube YouTube and all those places, just Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. And it just, again, I want to be able to bring hope to all the world the way Jesus brought hope to all the world. Too many people today, especially in the Catholic Church, they're all fighting and different things, and I am sick of it, sick of it, sick of it. We need to be people that are instruments of God's hope, God's mercy. That's what we need because that's the way Jesus was. We need to be the same.
All right. So if if we're gonna go through the passion, what's the best place to find the passion in the Bible? What what uh, gospel there? Of course, Mark's gospel is one big passion in the gospel of uh, Saint Mark, and again, because it makes the humanity of Jesus so real. Because it walks us through what Jesus had to go through. You know, something as simple as when they crowned him with thorns and they took a reed and they hammered the crown of thorns onto his head. That we know that this, and it goes back to even at the agony in the garden. If you go back to the Greek, I don't remember the Greek word explicitly, but it says in Mark's gospel that Jesus Christ was stupefied is the best word that we can say of when he was in the agony in the garden. He wasn't just going through the motions. And he struggled with the will of the Father. Now, that's something when the God of the universe becomes man in his humanity, still struggles with the will of the Father. And yet, though he struggled, though he was fearful, though he was stupefied, paralyzed with fear, he still always said yes to the Father's will. And to think that he struggled so much that he sweat blood for love of us, that he wasn't just going through the motions. This was a true entering in. And why would he do that? Well, because he knew what they were going to do to him. He knew that they were going to beat him and torture him throughout the night. But somehow in his divinity, did he have a sense that he who knew no sin, as St. Paul said, would become sin on the cross, that that had to terrify him in his humanity, that somehow all of our sins that we have ever done gladly, joyfully, uh, he would take that upon himself. That had to terrify him. And so Mark doesn't pull back at all. He lets us see all that and experience all that with Jesus so that we can go and have some compassion on him. We can go and he challenges us about when he's in the agony and the guard and everybody falls asleep because for them, it was all about them. It wasn't about Jesus. And we need to make it about Jesus. We need this day to be about Jesus. And again, years ago, I was, you know, I used to do full-time youth ministry all the time. That's where when I was young. Now people think I'm too old. Shut up. I can still deal with kids. But anyway, I was listening to, there used to be a nationwide talk show one called Doc. Dawson McAllister Live. You ever hear that? Yeah, we used to play it on our sister station, right? I used to sit there and listen to it. And I'll never forget the one time it was their Thanksgiving time. And they call in and say, tell us what you're grateful for. And all these high school kids called in from all over the nation. And one kid said, I am grateful that I am a great athlete. And it's to God's glory that he'd be the glory. God, praise God. Great thing to be grateful for. And someone else called, what are you grateful for? I am grateful that my family, she says, girl says, I'm so grateful. They do so much for me and they do so much. I love them so much. I'm so grateful. Praise God. And then one of the last girls called she was 14 or 15 years old and he goes hey what are you most grateful for this thanksgiving she says what am i most grateful for i am most grateful that jesus christ died for my sins Mm. that's a christian and i often challenge i'm not every time i do a parish mission and i sit there and i always tell the story that story and i say what are you most grateful for if someone was to ask you on this good friday or easter or thanksgiving dinner and they ask around hey what are you grateful for and it's not just a cliche it's the deepest reality that there was if you if jesus christ did not die on the cross we would be damned forever Period. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter what good things you've done. Without Christ dying on the cross, we would be damned. And so at all of us, we got to be able to say what I am most grateful for in my life is that Jesus died for me. 
And so that's what we really got to reflect on this day as we focus on, is this just a ritual we're going through? Are we just sitting there? Oh yeah, every year, remember Good Friday, it's a sad day. Ah, 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 ah. Is this the day that you have such a grateful heart? Will you even once look at Jesus today on the cross and say, thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for dying for me? That should be under every crucifix in the Catholic Church. Thank you, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. Today should be the most thankful and grateful day that we have in all of Christianity because someone loved me so much that they gave their life for me. And yeah. that's what it, 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 it occurs to me, I just got my vaccine, right, my second dose. And so I'm thinking of, you know, well, now I've got that, you know, I've got that covered so <laughs> I can move on with my life. Some people take salvation as, okay, I, I, I got the vaccine, you know, I'm going to heaven, so I got that covered. Exactly. No, and no gratefulness. You know, it's right. like, <laughs> a person does this. You know, the, the, if somewhere we all becomes about Jesus, that my life got to be just constantly pointing to Jesus, that they got to see the gratitude in all of our lives instead of like, oh, yeah, he paid for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, and moving on. Come on, what kind of person is that? And that can, and again, anybody that's listening here today, I'm sure they're not even close to that type of person or they wouldn't be listening today. But we gotta be making sure that we are proclaiming today more than any other day what Jesus Christ did for us and not for us only. See, sometimes again, we get real comfortable that yes, I'm in the salvation lifeboat and that's all that matters. Mm. Jesus wants us to be pulling other people into the boat with us. One of the things I always talk about is that one of the questions Jesus will ask you and me when we drop dead is, where are your brothers and sisters? Did you bring anybody with you? And if you go, oh, no, no, it was hard enough for me to get here. You just gave the wrong answer. Jesus said, go and make disciples. So every single day, you and I must be telling people, what Christ did for them. Because again, before God gave the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, he first set his people free from their slavery. Often, we Christians love to give commandments to people and make sure that they're doing what God told you to do, you'll go to hell for all eternity, instead of letting them experience the salvation won for them in Christ. That they have never experienced the mercy and the salvation and the love of Jesus. If they haven't experienced that, they can't live the commandments. And yet we put commandments on people before we tell them the love of Jesus first. So it must be the way God did it. He came and set us free from our slavery. Then he says, if you love me, these are my commandments. This is what we must proclaim to others. Too often we're proclaiming commandments without salvation. We must proclaim the mercy and the love of God first. And then people will gladly live the commandments, period. Wow. Yeah, uh, astounding what, what we're getting into here because uh, because honestly, um, this is the uh, this is the bigger the bigger takeaway, isn't it? Is that uh, uh, and again, we are going to go through the passion here uh, after the bottom of the hour break. But the idea of what does it mean today for people that are try are just eking out this life. And, and and even that is, is is sinful for me to say because honestly, we're supposed to live life and live it abundantly, right, Father? Absolutely. Again, it comes down to the Galatians two twenty. I no longer live; Jesus Christ lives inside of me. But the only way to get there is I have been crucified with Christ. Mm. So 
know as Christ was crucified, I must go to the cross with him. So again, we don't try to live Christianity. You know, we're not trying to follow just a bunch of rules. You can be an atheist and follow someone's rules. We're talking about dying so much to ourselves that we no longer live. Jesus Christ lives inside of us. So our job must be to get out of the way. Everyone's asking us the same question who said when we tell people we're Christians, sir or ma'am, we would like to see Jesus. So our job now is to show the world Jesus, not to show them ourselves or our opinions or our theology. We show them Jesus. And again, that's what's so glorious about today, that we die with him so that he may live inside of us and we may live forever. We are talking to Father Larry Richards. He's the pastor of St. Joseph Church, Bread of Life Community, and he's also the founder of the Reason for Our Hope Foundation. And uh, look him up. Uh, just Google Reason for Our Hope because uh, there's so much great information there. Uh, uh, Father Larry is the author of best-selling books. I love this one, Father. Uh, be a man, becoming the man God created you to be. So yes. <laughs> that's a great one. Um but for look, a man anyway. <laughs> yeah, for a man anyway, right? Or 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 for uh, a woman who's trying to improve it, their man. Um, yeah. All right, so let's go through the events of the passion and what they can mean to us today. And and just originating thought: Do you think that Catholics understand the Christ passion better than other Christians because of the Stations of the Cross? That's that's part of our. I think because also we always have crucifixes in our churches, you know, and often people will sit there and say. You know, Christ is risen. Why do you have him still on the cross? You know, as I hear a thousand times, and I always say, well, what did St. Paul say? St. Paul says, I will preach nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. And so for us, we keep that there. The problem is, is too many, uh, too many Catholics get stuck there. You know, that's all they do is look at the passion of the Christ. And even like for our Lent, our Lent is only 40 days, but our Easter is 50 days. You know, when St. Augustine says we are a resurrection people, but sometimes people, I just say, you like to get stuck on the cross. Jesus was there for three hours and then he died and then he went to heaven and then he was resurrected. We don't need to spend eternity there as some Catholics do, but when we reflect on the stations and everything else, if that helps us, and it does, reflect on how much he loves us and then how much we are called to love others, then that is what it was meant for. That's why Paul would say, I will preach nothing but Christ and Christ crucified, because that's what it proved that God loved us. And we must go and love him and others the same way. We must be crucified with Jesus, period. And so, yes, the stations of the cross and our crucifixes, which are everywhere, reminds us of that and what we're called to live. Alrighty, so let's start with the Last Supper. Of course, you know, leading up to uh, that Thursday night, if you will, uh, the, sure. the apostles were uh, getting things ready, the disciples were getting things ready, and and uh, you know, uh, in in the in the Christian Church, we celebrate the Last Supper every t every uh, service, and so every Mass, and so talk about yeah. that, and and just some of the elements that strike you as just being totally moving. First of all, it comes down to Jesus says, I have greatly desired deep this Passover with you, 
So Jesus desires for us to be at the Mass, the liturgy, the, the Lord's Supper, whatever we call it. He desires that. And it has to be a desire. I often say, do we desire to be with him? the way he desires to be with us. And then when he says everything, this is my body, this is my blood, and the word for you, that everything that Jesus did at the Last Supper and his life was for us. Even when you look at the crucifix, there is not one thing on that crucifix about Jesus Christ. It's always about the Father and about us. It's never about him. And so even the Eucharist, it's about for you. And for us as Catholics, what we believe is that every time we go to Mass, we don't re-kill Jesus because there's only the perfect one sacrifice. But what we believe is that how could Jesus receive, give them his body, blood, soul, and divinity if he had not yet died on the cross? Why? Because God lives in an eternal now. And so when Jesus said, right now, God, the world is being created. Right now, Jesus is being born before God the Father. Right now, Jesus is dying. Right now, God is on the, on the, on the cross. Right now, he's resurrected. Right now, he's at the Last Supper. And so every time we go to Mass as Catholics, eternity folds into time, and time folds into eternity. And we are there at the Last Supper now we are there at the crucifixion now we are there at the resurrection now and so when jesus sits there and they're at the last supper and they're all in the midst of all this he says whenever you do this remember me so it's always the call to this intimacy with jesus so every time we celebrate the lord's supper we're saying jesus i remember you that this is about you, Jesus. And I got to make sure that it's not just a ritual. And that's the problem with rituals. If rituals are done without love, I call it spiritual rape. It means nothing. Every ritual must be done in love. And so some people say, well, we don't need rituals. We all have rituals. If you're in love with your wife, you have rituals. You have love with husband, your children, you have rituals. And rituals are not bad. Rituals are great, again, if they're filled with love, and they're a way of expressing love. So that was Jesus took the ritual of the Passover, and he brought it to us, and he updated it to show that this is how I love you, and he invites us all into the same ritual of love. And every time, Jesus, I remember you. It's that intimacy with Jesus. So uh, after the, the Last Supper, uh, Jesus and, and a few of his friends go into the garden. Um, at, at that point, he is suffering ag agony uh, as he prays to the Father. And then Judas shows up with the, with the Roman soldiers. And again, like we already talked about a little bit of his suffering and how it was real there through Mark's gospel. But when Judas comes up to him and he kisses him, that is such a betrayal. And sometimes I often say to people when I do the passion, I'll sit there and say, sometimes we wonder, I wonder if Jesus understands my pain. And I always go, no, I understand. I wonder if we understand his, because none of us have loved the way Jesus loved Judas. Jesus, who is God, loved Judas with the love of God. None of us have loved that way. And yet Jesus loved Judas with that love. And then none of us have been betrayed to death. Jesus was betrayed to death. And we wonder if he understands our pain. Do we understand his? Do we ever enter into this with him? Do we ever sit with him on this night, 
on Holy Thursday or Good Friday and walk with him. One of the traditions in the Catholic Church is after our Lord's Supper dinner, usually Thursday night, we have all night adoration or all night or at least to midnight where you can go and sit with Jesus. And there's a, a song that Taze put out that just sat there and watch with me, stay with me, just stay with me, to go and just stay with Jesus. Not to constantly, hey, gimme, 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 Lord, but just to stay with him. And today on Good Friday, it's another good day to stay with Jesus as he's on the cross. Jesus, I'm here with you. I'm loving you. I do love you. Thank you for dying with me. But I want you to know, Jesus, that you're not alone. Wow. That I am here with you today. And I just am so grateful. I'm so grateful for everything you've done. It's a powerful thing if we don't just rush through Good Friday to get to Easter Sunday. There is no Easter Sunday unless there's a Good Friday, period. He uh, he is uh, ridiculed, flogged, uh, and meanwhile, Peter is denying him outside. He's going through these trials. Mm -hmm. um, there's sh you know, there's a lot of talk about justice in Absolutely. in our current context. And again, when you look at Isaiah, it says that he was, think about what happened to Jesus, the way he got flogged. It wasn't just like a bunch of rope hitting a piece of marble. Each of those was a long wooden down. At the end of the wooden down were long, thin pieces of leather. At the end of each piece of leather was a ball of metal. Embedded all the way around each ball of metal was razor sharp pieces of sheep bone. Two inches down from each of those balls of metal, there was a one and a half to two inch razor sharp piece of sheep bone. So as Jesus was beaten, and I take turns, 30 three times he was beaten. That's the way the Romans did it, to his naked body. That what would happen is pieces of flesh would fly out of Jesus and it would be hanging. If you were to look at this 33-year-old naked man, you'd see strips of flesh hanging on his face, his back, his back, all over. And then it says, he was wounded for our offenses. He was crushed for our sins. Upon him lays the chastisement that makes us whole. By his stripes, we are healed. That should have been me. That should have been you. But that was Jesus for us. And so when they sit there, and there's, there's Peter, our, the first one, the leader of the early church, and sat there, and he looks at that, and he can deny him. And how often we deny him. And I think that every time that we sin, you know, when Jesus is then taken, he's put in front of all the crowd and they says, behold, uh, the man. And they said, what should I do with your king? And they cry out, crucify him, crucify him. And every time we sin, we're in the crowd and we cry out, crucify him. Hey, Jesus, here's a sin that I need you to die for. Don't worry, Jesus, I'll repent of it later. And we make grace cheap. In fact, it's just something, no big deal to us. To him, it was a great big deal. And so every time we sin, if we realize it's a personal reality, we're crying out, crucify him to Jesus Christ. Jesus, here's another sin for you to die for, for me. And he gladly does it. But that should stop us from gladly sinning. When we repent and we give our lives to Jesus Christ, it means we're stopped and we should be done sinning. Repentance means I'm done with it. I'm not going to try as many people like to make this. I'll try. Ah, when you realize, would you spit on your wife? Would you spit on your husband? Would you cry out? Everybody crucify him. Would you do things that would cause pain to someone else? 
Well, this is what we do when we sin. So we got to deal with our sin. When we give our life to Jesus, he does pay the penalty for our sin, but we don't keep whipping him. We don't keep scourging him. We don't keep crying out, crucify him. If I love him, I stop by his grace, by his power. But I'm not just saying, oh, I'm just a sinner. That's the way yeah, I am. Yeah. Christ lives inside of you. It's a big deal. We got to make uh, Good Friday a big deal. Wow. Uh, let's just keep going. Uh, and again, you're covering a lot of this. The role of Pontius Pilate. Uh, again, people people like to kind of say, well, he was just a tool in God's plan. What's your take on all that? He was a coward. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He was afraid. He sends him off to Herod. He comes back and then kill him, you know, and think about it. So even though the Orthodox Church makes Pontius Pilate uh, uh, a saint in the Orthodox Church wow. for whatever reason. So uh, because they say that he was actually converted after this, after he did all this. But at that moment, he just didn't want to take a stand. He knew Jesus was innocent. But he just washed his hands. And that's problematic. And that's what we sometimes are cowards that we just don't want to get involved in. Must. We must take a stand if we're in love with Jesus Christ. So uh, eventually, uh, as he makes the way, the Via Dolorosa, right? Um, yeah. He, he comes to the cross. <clears throat> There's uh, in, in the Catholic tradition, there are some really. Um, Interesting and poignant moments along the Via Dolorosa, right? Sure. When he meets his mother uh, and they have that intimacy there that she was there with him from birth until death. Uh, she, you know, it's what we like. We always talk about no one looked at Jesus more than Mary. Nobody, you know, from nobody, you know, she was there his whole life. And so, again, the, how important it is for all of us to be in this intimacy with Jesus. She de draws us deeper that with the women, uh, you know, and he has he has more mercy and is concerned more with them than he is about himself. You know, don't weep for me, weep for you and for your children. When Simon of Cyrene helps him carry that cross, you know, and so uh, again, that we too can help Christ carry the cross when he carries it in the least of the brothers or sisters in our world today, that it's not just us having compassion on him at the cross 2000 years ago, but Jesus Christ is alive and living inside of our brothers, sister, brothers and sisters. And when we help them, we're helping Christ pick up the cross every day. And then when, again, when you think about when he goes to the crucifixion and he's being nailed to the cross, traditionally we, for, we always keep a nice uh, loincloth on Jesus, but they, made you naked on the cross that's what happened here's this 33 year old naked man on this cross being nailed there not just it was in his hand in the center but it goes down through his wrist because it was going to be the nails that were going to pull him up to that cross and so here's a naked man 33 years old pieces of his flesh hanging from the beatings the night before he's nailed to the cross the blood squirts out and he's he's the pain that goes through his whole body. And then those two nails pull him up to the cross. And then they put his feet together and they nail his feet. And then when he says, this is where it becomes real, because he says, this is where the, uh, uh, the Lord's Supper becomes real, because he said, this is my body. 
this is my blood. This is the blood pours from his wounds at Calvary. This is for you, again, for you. And then the seven traditional statements when Christ sits there and he says, Father, forgive them. Again, to think about the God of the universe who forgives us. And no one's even asking for mercy yet, right? They're crying, crucify him. And God's saying, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. That he himself pays the penalty and he himself gives mercy. He thirsts and he just doesn't thirst for water. He denies the water. He thirsts for us. He thirsts for our love. And often I ask people, do we thirst for Jesus? Or is it just going through the motions? You know, as Christianity, as long as you believe in God, it's okay. Is that what Christianity is about? We're just believing and trying to be good people. It's about thirsting for Jesus Christ, thirsting for him as he thirsts for us. The good thief who he gives the, the, he's the best thief because he stole heaven at the end when God says, today you will be with me in paradise. That again, he was bad his whole life. He gave his life to Jesus and he now lives forever. First one we know that went to heaven after Jesus Christ was the good thief, that here he gives us his mother. When John always represents the whole church in John's gospel. So when, when Jesus looks at uh, Mary and he says, woman, there is your son. And then he says to John, John, behold your mother. It says John took her into his care. And so Mary isn't this part of God. She is our mother given to us at the cross. And so we take her into our care and she prays for us. It's interesting. And even when they're praying for Pentecost, Mary's praying with them. So it's in Acts of the Apostles how they prayed with Mary. And so we do the same thing. Then he sits there. And when he who knew no sin became sin, when God the Father took your sins, my sins, all the sins from the beginning world to the end and placed them on Jesus, God the Father could not look at sin. So God the Father turned his face, and then Jesus would cry out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Psalm 22, which always ends up hope-filled, but he's just crying out, like, even you, Dad? To, none of us can say we don't know. He didn't know what it was like to be alone. Jesus knew what it was like to be alone on that cross more than any of us will ever get. And then he looks down at Satan, and he says, It is finished. You no longer have power over my children. I myself have paid the price. I have saved them. Then he looks at his father and he says, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. And then he gives up everything for you and for me that we might live forever. And then when the earth shakes and thunder and lightning and all this stuff, because we have killed our God, the women stay with John and they stay with Jesus. That's why we say, thanks be to goodness for the women in the church, for there be nobody around. Oh my goodness. The women are the faithful ones who stay, and so must we. Wow. So uh Joseph and Mary Arimathea, this is this this is the same Joseph that came to Jesus in the garden. What do I have to do to be saved, right? Exactly. And um and he takes him down, he uh buries him in a new tomb. Uh, you know, that happens Fridays, East, uh, Sunday is on its way, Easter Sunday, the tomb is empty, there's angels, all of these things that, um, you know, we don't really experience a lot of that. In, in no, because times. we haven't experienced enough of the crucifixion that we can go into that. We have to go into the tomb with him. We must be crucified with him. So we got to go into that tomb. And when we see the darkness there, we that's where we get that God's love is stronger than death. Huh? That when Jesus dies on the cross, 
God the Father embraces him. And as he embraces Jesus, his love brings Jesus to eat life. And when we die with Christ, we are embraced by God the Father in the death of Jesus. And for God the Father to let go of us, he has to let go of Jesus. And he will never let go of Jesus. And he will never let go of us. When we have died with him been crucified with him, then we now live with him forever. That's the greatness of what Easter's about. That, you know, and again, I always say, if we're gonna live forever, please tell your faces, huh? Because again, you ever see Christians, they walk around, they look like they're constipated. <laughs> like, come on, you're gonna be living forever. Tell your face that you're gonna be living forever. That's wow. what Easter's about. I can't go any further. That That's a great way to stop. Thank you so, so you much, go. Father Larry Richards, the pastor of St. Joseph Church, Bread of Life Community, founder of the Reason for Our Hope Foundation. Um, uh, what what does Sunday look like for you, Father? Easter, we have Mass at 8.30 in the morning and at uh, 11 o'clock in the uh, morning, but then we have our vigil Mass where we have baptisms and everything else at 8.30 on Saturday night. And this year we have uh, some great, it's going to be a fantastic thing. So God is good. Alrighty. Thank you so, so much Thank for you. blessing us on this Good Friday. Father Larry Richards right here on Talk Erie. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.